I mean, if the U.S. is now worried about Saudi Arabia cozying up to China, then why did the Biden administration define global politics as a battle between democracy versus autocracy? Because that immediately essentially tells the Saudis, well, you're not on our side, you're on the side of China. Welcome to another episode of America Explained podcast that brings the important voices and perspectives shaping American politics, foreign policy and culture to an international audience. I've been on the road this week. I'm not recording this in my usual studio setting, so I apologize if the audio quality is not quite as good as it normally is. But I really wanted to talk about what happened last weekend, where Joe Biden wrapped up a four-day trip to the Middle East in which he tried to reset American foreign policy in the region. He landed in Israel, took a rare direct flight from there to Saudi Arabia, and then he was caught on camera performing the fist bump that was heard around the world with Mohammed bin Salman, the ruler of Saudi Arabia who Biden had previously vowed to make a pariah. In this episode, I'm going to talk about why this is the trip that Biden really didn't want to take and why that's the fist bump he didn't want to be giving. Biden really wanted to be focused on problems at home, particularly the economy, but it's these problems that have ultimately required him to go halfway around the world to this oil-rich region, which has a huge influence over global energy prices. This attempt to get Saudi Arabia to pump more oil in order to lessen the pain that's been felt by American gas consumers, that's petrol for the British listeners, That's the centerpiece of this trip. But it's also been a really difficult trip for Biden because of the paradoxes that it highlights in American foreign policy and in the promises that he made about what his foreign policy was going to be and the tensions that it causes in Biden's Democratic Party back at home. So in this episode, I'm going to explore these issues, lay out the context for the trip by looking at what Biden wanted his Middle East policy to be and what it's turned out to be and ask whether this trip was really worth it. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you enjoy America Explained, please tell a friend to help spread the word and help us grow the podcast. So let's start by talking about why this is the trip that Biden didn't want to be taking at this point in his presidency. You might remember that Biden came into office saying that he wanted to focus his presidency on four American crises. And these were the pandemic, the economy, the climate, and racial justice. And this demonstrated that Biden's priorities were really domestic. It was about domestic agenda. America was such a mess in the, you know, the state that it was handed over to him from Donald Trump. The pandemic was being handled so badly. The economy was just nosedived, was doing really, really badly. And Biden wanted to focus on basically restoring this sense of normalcy for Americans, getting the economy back on track. And then moving forward with a powerful domestic agenda that was going to try to revolutionize the way that energy was dealt with and processed and produced in America to to try and help battle climate change and to also create a much bigger welfare state for Americans. These were all very, very domestic priorities. And from the beginning, the Biden administration didn't really seem to put that much energy into foreign policy. Now, Russia's invasion of Ukraine changed all of that to a big extent. So the administration has been really, really focused on Europe and and Russia. And they've done a fantastic job there, in my opinion. I've talked about this in in earlier podcasts, you know, tactically uh, stitching together the Western response to, to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I think they've done brilliantly. 
But we haven't really seen a proactive policy from the administration in other regions of the world. They've not really been going out there and actually putting forward their own agenda unless forced to do so. Now, Biden's climate agenda was probably actually one of the, the parts of his domestic priorities that was most relevant for international concerns. Biden wanted to spend hundreds of billions of dollars on promoting the energy transition in America, changing the way that America produces and stores and transports power in order to battle climate change. This agenda has really got absolutely nowhere in Congress. In fact, just last week, Joe Manchin probably put the final nail in the final coffin of the final version of this agenda, which has been debated and talked about interminably for nearly two years now, but never really looked like it had a chance of, of passing Congress. But it's interesting to consider that this focus on a climate transition at home kind of had within it this implicit downgrading of the importance of fossil fuels and of oil specifically. But what's happened is that while the administration didn't want to be thinking about the price of oil, it wanted to be thinking about solar panels and electric cars, there's recently been this enormous increase in the price of fossil fuels, particularly oil, which is used to make gas, which is what Americans use to get around with. It's the thing that they notice the price of the most, because whenever you drive by a gas station, it's written right there, how many dollars a gallon. And this has been a really, really huge domestic problem for Biden recently, because the price of gas has gone up enormously. And high energy prices are one of the reasons that inflation is at record levels in the US, and these rising prices in time are the number one political threat to the Democrats in the midterm elections that are coming up later this year. So this kind of economic event has really highlighted how dependent the American and indeed the global economy still is on fossil fuels. And this has created big, big problems for the Biden administration. And that's why, first and foremost, he's taking this trip. It's about oil and it's about the role of the Saudi Arabia plays in the global oil market. Going to Saudi Arabia to try to, you know, negotiate some kind of deal that will enable Saudi Arabia to um, produce more oil or somehow otherwise lower the price of oil creates big problems for Biden with his own party at home and also just with, you know, again, among any disinterested observer of Biden's foreign policy, this is a very questionable thing to do because it goes against the principles that he has laid out, which supposedly govern his foreign policy. Biden promised to place human rights back at the center of US foreign policy. And he promised that under him, foreign policy was going to be organized around this principle of democracies versus dictatorships. Uh, this, this claim, this promise, came, I think, from, from just promising the, the reverse of what Trump did. So you may remember that Trump was very, very abusive and unfriendly and had a lot of counterproductive arguments with America's democratic allies in Europe and Canada and Mexico and, and other places. But he also really, really had this quite perverse and worrying love for the various autocrats that he met. So he said at one point that he fell in love with Kim Jong-un, the, the uh, dictator of North Korea. He had this huge bromance with Vladimir Putin that is still very hard to wrap our heads around why exactly he had this. He was very, very friendly and made a point of being very friendly with Xi Jinping, the, the Chinese ruler. 
So Biden came into office saying, well, you know, this is completely wrong. This goes against American principles. What I'm going to do is reinvigorate our alliances with democratic countries, place democracy back at the center of American foreign policy. And and I'm going to promote this idea that the coming century will be defined by this ideological battle, which will resemble the Cold War that's going to take place between democracies and dictatorships, with China being the main you know target dictatorship that they they're worried about and they want to organize the democratic world in opposition to so it looks very strange then for biden now to be going to saudi arabia and fist bumping mohammed bin salman usually known as mbs who's the ruler of saudi arabia and it's even stranger because Biden actually singled out MBS specifically for an awful lot of controversy during the campaign and early on in his presidency. Biden vowed to make Saudi Arabia an international pariah after um, the kingdom and, and MBS himself, according to the US intelligence community, murdered Jamal Khashoggi, who was a journalist, who was an American resident, he was called into the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, and then he was brutally murdered. His body was dissembled, and we don't know where the body went still. It was, it was taken away. And this was an action that Trump just basically shrugged his shoulders out and said, well, I don't really care that Saudi Arabia did this because they buy a lot of weapons from us and they sell us a lot of oil, so basically they can do whatever they want. Biden, on the other hand, said this was a completely unacceptable act. Saudi Arabia had to be made a pariah. It had to kind of suffer a permanent downgrading in its relations with the U.S. And indeed, when Biden came into office, he took a number of, of small but consequential actions to try to punish Saudi Arabia for this, involving some sanctions that were placed on individuals in Saudi Arabia. He, re he released the U.S. intelligence community report that blamed MBS for this murder, and he stopped selling offensive weapons to Saudi Arabia for the use in its war in Yemen. Biden also specifically said that he was not going to speak to MBS, that he was going to speak instead to the MBS's father, the king of the country, King Salman, who is still the titular head of Saudi Arabia, although everyone knows that MBS is, is pulling the strings on a daily basis. So Biden has specifically said, I will not even talk to MBS, much less fly to Saudi Arabia and give him a fist bump. So this causes big, big problems for Biden just in his own consistency, but also with the Democratic Party. Many people in the Democratic Party are very, very critical of Saudi Arabia. They're very, very critical of the war in Yemen. They're very critical of the murder of Khashoggi. So lots of problems for Biden at home with this. Biden's trip to Israel, which was part of this trip, has also raised eyebrows because it comes not long after Shireen Abu Akleh, a legendary Palestinian-American journalist, was shot dead in the West Bank. American officials have said that she was likely shot dead by Israeli forces. Some media outlets, including CNN, have gone further and said they have evidence that she was likely deliberately killed by Israeli forces who knew full well who they were shooting at. Now, we don't know if that latter part is true. The former part, at least, that, that she was killed by Israeli forces seems very, very likely. But Biden has, has said not really anything about this on his trip to Israel. He, he continues to not at all be critical of the Israeli government uh, over its occupation of the Palestinian territories, over its recent policies and, and this recent 
turn towards a more extreme form of nationalism that we've seen in Israel. Although the Democratic Party still remains very solidly pro-Israel, not actually particularly that critical of Israel overall, among younger Democrats and progressives, this is also a very touchy issue. It's something they disagree with. They won't see Biden doing much, much more to be critical of Israel. So again, this creates problems for Biden. So that's just kind of some of the background to the trip and the context. And after the break, I'm going to talk about what actually happened on this trip and what the takeaways from it are. You're listening to America Explained, a podcast about the United States for an international audience. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a positive review on your podcast platform. So the politics of oil was really at the center of this trip. The biggest goal was announced as being an attempt to get Saudi Arabia to increase oil production, which it was then hoped would bring down global oil prices, relieve pressure for Americans at the pump, and then improve the Democrats' prospects in the midterm elections. There's no public commitment that's been made by Saudi Arabia or announced by the Americans to increase oil production. Biden has hinted that private agreements have been made and that we should expect to see action on this in the coming weeks and months. But actually, you have to dig a little bit deeper to to get beyond the theatrics of this and understand what's really going on here. Any expert will tell you that it's very unclear if Saudi Arabia even can increase its oil production and especially whether it can increase it enough to make a difference to the, the price of oil. Even if Saudi Arabia has a little bit of spare capacity, sometimes people talk about one or two million barrels per day, that's actually only a very small drop in the proverbial oil bucket of of the global market. The global market is something like 40 to 50 million barrels of oil a day. So one to two isn't really going to make that much difference. It's not clear if Saudi Arabia even has that much spare capacity. Now, Biden's team aren't stupid. They, They know this. But it's likely that they just want it to look like that they're doing something. And especially because prices are predicted to come down anyway in the coming months. This is kind of a, I think if Trump had done this, we would have said that this was a very cynical thing. And, you know, it was just kind of an attempt to create the impression that he'd reached a deal that was consequential. But, you know, that seems to be what Biden might be doing here. That basically he's gone to Saudi Arabia. Oil prices are likely to come down anyway in the next few months. And then he will be able to take credit for that to some extent when that happens and point to these supposed private deals that he did with the Saudis that then had some unspecified impact over the future oil price. But that's really the the theatrics of oil politics seems to be the center of this trip. But it's also another thing that's going on here is that this kind of broader rapprochement with Saudi Arabia that seems to be happening a very public embracing of the kingdom again. Biden really, really backing off that earlier criticism. He's publicly embracing or at least fist bumping, specifically MBS again. So there seems to be an attempt by the Biden administration to bring Saudi Arabia in from the cold. Although this really raises the question that if the Biden administration is now admitting that close ties with Saudi Arabia are really important, then what was the point of this aborted attempt to make the kingdom look like a paria? What was the point of the last 18 months of saying that America was going to fundamentally change its approach to Saudi Arabia if they were then just going to undo it? It really looks like they're undoing a self-inflicted wound. 
the administration is making some broader geopolitical arguments which kind of drive this home as well. So they're saying that, well, well, Biden said when he met with a series of Arab dictators in Saudi Arabia, quote, we're not going to walk away and leave a vacuum, he means a vacuum in, in the Middle East, to be filled by China, Russia, or Iran. And I think that's actually a lot of what this trip is about, that it's kind of dawned on the Biden administration that as America was, was withdrawing from the Middle East, as it was criticizing Saudi Arabia and other countries in the regional war, these countries were becoming more and more willing to think about perhaps allying themselves more closely, particularly with China. There's a lot of fear that China would become the new main de facto ally of Saudi Arabia, which would have implications for oil. I mean, you can imagine some kind of future scenario 20 or 30 years from now where Saudi Arabia has gradually gone over into the orbit of China, gone out of the US orbit. There's a war between US and China and suddenly Saudi Arabia won't sell oil to Europe or America anymore because it's just sending it to China instead. This is a kind of nightmare scenario that Washington strategists think about. I think it's really important to say that, you know, over the last 18 months, not really anything big has happened to make us think that Saudi Arabia was suddenly going to go back, go over to China. Because I think that Riyadh always knew that the Biden administration would eventually change its mind. But anyway, that, you know, Saudi Arabia sent a few signals that maybe we're going to become more friendly with the Chinese, we're going to buy more weapons from them, we're going to become closer to Russia. This seems to have just put the fear into the Biden administration and then led the Biden administration to, to do exactly what the Saudis knew they were always going to do, which was to pick up the phone and come back to them and come back to MBS as soon as they had a problem. Another aspect of this is that the Biden administration 12 months ago, 18 months ago, probably thought that it had more chance of resurrecting the Iran nuclear deal. So that's this agreement that was reached between Iran and a series of outside powers in which Iran agreed to give up its nuclear program in exchange for economic benefits and, and other benefits. Trump, in one of the worst decisions in the history of American foreign policy, pulled out of this disagreement, left Iran essentially free to pursue a nuclear weapon again, and the Biden administration had hoped to resurrect this deal, but it's looking very, very likely that's not going to happen now. And this is making the Biden administration realize that actually they need these Arab dictatorships. They need Saudi Arabia. They need the UAE. They need Egypt in order to put together a coalition to contain Iran within the region and to try to contain Iran's nuclear ambitions. Because if the Iran nuclear agreement is not going to be resurrected, then they're going to need to put more pressure on Iran and they'll need allies to do that. But again, this all seems quite predictable. A lot of people didn't think that the Iran nuclear deal was going to be resurrected. The stuff about Saudi Arabia and China is is particularly predictable and, and kind of strange because, I mean, if the US is now worried about Saudi Arabia cozying up to China, then why did the Biden administration define global politics as a battle between democracy versus autocracy? Because that immediately essentially tells the Saudis, well, you're not on our side, you're on the side of China. So if the Saudis then started to run their own policy according to that logic, it, that was very predictable, right? It's very predictable that if you organize you know, your foreign policy around that principle of democracy versus autocracy, you will tend to push the autocracies together and, and make them cooperate with one another more. 
So now that that's happening, the Biden administration suddenly walks back on that whole idea and says, well, actually, we need a very close relationship with, with Saudi Arabia. Again, seems predictable, seems to indicate not too much deep thought was going into this stuff over the last 18 months. A few other things happened on the trip, or rather didn't happen. So there wasn't much, or well, there wasn't any progress on the Iran deal during this trip. That wasn't really expected because there's a separate diplomatic forum in, in which that happens. In Israel, Biden stressed that diplomacy remained the best way to stop Iran getting a nuclear weapon, although he did signal that he was willing to use force if, if diplomacy failed. Biden's task is really, really difficult here. I think it really was such a disastrous decision by Trump to pull out of the Iran deal because it really just completely destroyed any trust that Iran had in America. It's now very, very politically difficult for both sides to go back into that deal. It's difficult for the Iranians because if the Iranian government re-enters this deal, then three years from now Trump gets re-elected and then pulls out of it again, then that government in Iran is going to look really stupid, really weak. They'll have made the same mistake of trusting America essentially two times. It's very difficult for Biden to get back into the deal because the midterm elections are approaching. Anything that looks like the appeasement of Iran or giving favors to Iran, like lifting sanctions in order to make this deal happen, are going to be used against Biden in those elections. So there's not really progress happening there. Doesn't look likely in the near future either. And that's going to mean that the Biden administration just needs these Arab dictatorships even more. There were a few smaller agreements that were announced uh, on this trip. They're really quite small stuff. So a joint air defense zone was announced between various countries in the region to protect against Iranian missiles. That just kind of reinforces the fact that Israel and the Sunni Arab dictatorships are drifting closer and closer together. That's a process that's been going on for, for some 20 years now, I would argue, as they get more worried about the threat from Iran. We might eventually in the near future see Israel and Saudi Arabia re-establish diplomatic relations. That's been on the cards for quite some time now. Don't know exactly when that's going to happen and doesn't seem to have been a big breakthrough on that during this trip, but steps continue in that direction. The US also announced $1 billion in food aid for the region, which has been hammered by inflation. There's really you know, a lot of people in, in a lot of countries in the Middle East are having difficulty affording food right now. One billion is not going to do that much to address that problem, but it is something. None of these are really big consequential things that have been announced, and it really does seem that optics and that vibes were the point of this trip. So showing the US is committed to the region doesn't intend to actually sideline the Arab dictatorships, and it is doing something about the price of oil. Clearly, the administration felt that doing this now was a political win. It shows Biden as a statesman, theoretically, shows he's doing what he can to bring down gas prices. And, and like I said, if gas prices do fall over the next few months, as they're expected to anyway, then maybe it can be sold as a win at home. But it's really hard looking at this trip and other aspects of Biden's foreign policy that it's really all been a bit of an afterthought for him. There doesn't seem to be any underlying principle or plan to this foreign policy. The principles that they do announce, such as human rights or democracy versus autocracy, they then throw aside at a later time when they need to. 
maybe competition with China is the guiding principle of, of Biden's foreign policy, or at least it was before the invasion of Ukraine. But competition with China isn't so much a principle as it is an event. So if that's the guiding event or the most important event in US foreign policy, it still begs the question, well, what principles do we use to guide our approach to this event? And that's not really particularly clear. All this adds to the impression overall, and not just looking at Biden, but also at Trump before him, of America has really been adrift in the world. The Trump administration did an awful lot of damage to American interests around the world, and it really, really set in motion a lot of really negative things at home as well. In the economy, with the pandemic, and particularly with this struggle for American democracy, the Biden administration seems consumed by these problems at home, and it sometimes seems that America is going to remain consumed by domestic problems for a long time into the future. You know, we don't really see any way out of, of particularly this um, intensifying of partisan competition and the erosion of American democracy. And America seems to some extent to be losing its ambitions for the outside world, losing its capacity to put forward a vision for how the world should be. And, you know, when they're forced to react to a big event like in Ukraine, the Biden administration has have shown that America can still really get a lot done. It can really bring a lot of countries together and achieve something big. But without that kind of impetus, there just seems to be drift and not much happening. And that may characterize American foreign policy for some time to come. We're going to wait and see. We're going to keep on talking about it on this podcast. Please tune in in the future for more on Biden's foreign policy, domestic agenda, and everything else you might want to know about America. Have a nice day. That's all we have time for this episode. Thanks for listening to America Explained. You can contact us on producer at america-explained.com or through the America Explained Facebook page. I'm your host, Andy Gawthorpe. Designer and advisor is Janice Killian. Music by Soundwave. America Explained is an APD media production. See you next time.